Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking.、Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and、uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick, so I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now you wanna get mixed up in the family business? Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Once upon a time, Broadway Podcast Network presents Giants in the Sky. How Sondheim and Lapine went into the woods with me, Ben Rimmelauer. Today's guest, Howard McGillin. Two-time Tony Award nominee Howard McGillin played Cinderella's Prince and the Wolf in the Playwrights Horizons workshop of Into the Woods. He is featured in the current Broadway revival of Parade, and his previous credits include Sondheim and Lapine's Sunday in the Park with George and the Goodman Theater and Kennedy Center productions of Sondheim's Bounce, as well as The Mystery of Edwin Drood, Anything Goes, The Phantom of the Opera, She Loves Me, The Secret Garden, Kiss of the Spider Woman, and Gigi. I I was very excited when I don't do you even know this website、um, Overtur it's like o v r t u r dot com it's like、no. a weird database that has like it's kind of like the IBDB with all the Broadway credits but it also has oh cool this has a, the Playwrights Horizons Into the Woods and、it、does wow tour stuff regional productions、um, and、uh, well I should say that. Um, the James Lapine book on Sunday in the Park with George, putting it together, I loved that so much, and、uh, it made me hunger for that kind of granular、uh, chronology of、yeah. the genesis of Into the Woods. And he said、yeah. he's going to write one, so、um, he would generously talk to me, and other people have talked to me, and it's amazing how little because it's pre-internet. There's so there's so many things that are still now after you know weeks of of、uh, been to the、uh, library once already and I've talked to all these people and I still don't have all the answers I want but maybe、right. you're my holy grail Howard because、uh-huh. I'm really excited to see on the overture site that you were、uh, I guess it just says one of the princes oh no it says Cinderella's prince yeah and- I was Cinderella's prince and the wolf. And and the wolf. Oh, I don't. I guess there was a lot. A lot of you were wolves in that incarnation, right? But you were the real wolf. You sang "Hello, Little Girl." Yeah, it started out as as Cinderella's prince also played the wolf and sang "Hello, Little Girl." That was how it. That was how it started, anyway. And, and then they came home to that. But so this was the June '86 workshop at Playwrights Horizons. I'm so glad you you clarified that for me because you know my brain at this point there's so many cobwebs. We're gonna、uh, we're gonna get through those cobwebs, Howard. You're my hope. I was、uh, <laughs> well. I was trying to trying to piece together the chronology of it because it all was a, a kind of a jumble of things. 
thankfully, I was very busy, almost instantly hitting the ground in New York. And so uh, I, I, uh, I was trying to remember exactly when the playwrights uh, version was, but, but you're saying June of 86, and that makes sense. So I know the, the first thing you did was La Boheme, which we discussed was at the end spot. Correct. Or that's before you went into Sunday in the Park with George. And right? the, 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 the through line with La Boheme to Into the Woods was Michael Starobin, mm. who did the orchestrations of for both. And uh, I, just backing up just a bit, I was in LA and I had just kind of had my fill of of knocking around Hollywood trying to get a career going I'd actually done okay I'd, I'd done you know a, a series of t television things and uh but I wasn't singing a note and I hadn't been on stage in in years and I just thought this it's now or never what what am I doing you know um I I knew that I knew that I could sing I just didn't know if if uh it was Broadway worthy or not. I just remember sitting at home. Really? You you were like, I can no. sing, but I'm not sure if I've got a, like a real, like first look, world look, voice. I mean, who, you know, you, when you're, when you're just starting out, I, I, I knew that I could sing. I just didn't know whether or not other people would say that's, I want to hire that person. Uh, I did know that one thing that I wanted to do was get my face in front of Joseph Papp and the public theater. And 10 days after I got to New York, they were casting La Boheme with Linda Ryan, a new English language version of the, of the musical. And I had just so happened to have started studying voice again in LA before I left with an kind of opera trained and very kind of opera centric uh, teacher named Dean Verhines who said, um, you, you should sing opera. And I was like, I, I don't know anything about opera. So I, I started studying uh, arias, including Que Julita Manina. And next thing I knew, I was being asked to sing it in English. So the 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 leap wasn't that huge. And at, like 10 days after I got to New York, I was hired to to be in this fantastic production at the public with with uh, Linda Ronstadt, directed by Wilfred Leach, God rest his soul, who really gave me my start. Uh, that production was the follow up to the success of the Pirates of Penzance that Exactly. Made. Yes. It was you the same seen that on TV or anything like that. I had not seen it on TV. No. No. Uh, I just read all about it and heard the recording and was was just that that just seemed like something I I was just dreaming to do. And suddenly I was cast in the in this production and and Michael Starobin one night came backstage, long story short or long story even longer, came back and said, um, Mr. S is in the house tonight. And I said, why did you tell me that? <laughs> it was, you know, of course, everybody's dream to 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 be in a Sondheim musical. That was why I came to New York. I I wrote him the gushiest <laughs> letter as every young guy does and you know and, and gal I guess uh, does when they're coming to New York and and he wrote me back and said you know look me up when you're here you know like what had, and, you, uh, seen, had you seen any of his shows or done any of his shows like in college or high school or anything like I mean I I in high school I grew up with the Follies cast album yeah. It was like the the thing that everybody was just raving over. This is just, you know, it was groundbreaking and it was everything. It was everything. So so and, had, I, and was Sunday in the Park with George open yet when you were doing La Boheme? 
Sunday in the Park with George was open. Not only that, I was sitting at home in LA, just that prior Tony's, watching the Tony's and mm. seeing the production of Sunday in the Park with George. They, I think they did Sunday as their yeah. as member. And I just thought, okay, I have to go. I just, this is ridiculous. Get to New York. And next thing I knew, I was, I was in Sunday in the Park with George on Broadway. That's how that happened. It was that fast. It was La Boheme in the fall of, of 84. And, uh, and Michael came back and said, Mr. Sondheim's in the house. And I was such a basket case through the entire show, thinking nothing but, what does he think of me? What you know, ridiculous things yeah. that actors go through when they're told someone is in the house. Turns out he wasn't there. <laughs> he, had, he had some kind of conf yeah, conflict or something and he wasn't able yeah. to come. So then like a week or so later, again, knock on my dressing room door before the show, Staravin again saying, uh, Mr. Sondheim's here tonight. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going through that again. So thank God I didn't. And I actually had a pretty good show. You know, I wasn't concentrated on Stephen Sondheim the entire time. But um, sure enough, I got an invitation to audition for Sunday and uh, I... I understudied George for my first Broadway show and played the soldier. And uh, it was played, uh, Bob Westenberg. Yes, it was a, it was a, well, Bob had, had taken over as, as George. Right. It, it was a, it was a, a um, limited run for me because I had already been hired to play uh, John Jasper in the park. In, again with Wilfred Leach. In Drude, again with Wilfred Leach. I, I, I need to say that he gave me my career in New York. He really did. First La Boheme and then following it up with my very first uh, original Broadway show, which was, uh, which was Drude, which followed Sunday in the Park with George. Wasn't a bad start. I mean, Laughing within a year, within a year, yeah. it was insane. And so uh, you get to go into this show that like was like a siren song calling you to New York and you have a limited run because you go into the show that really puts you on the map, Mystery of You get nominated for all the awards and the show uh, moves to Broadway from the park. Correct. Um, so at what point in that did you become aware that there was a new Sondheim Lapine collaboration? Yeah, I was trying to think. I, I don't remember exactly uh, how or when, but I was, I was suddenly asked to do this workshop of Into the Woods. Uh, and it must have been in the in the spring of '86. Um, we had done Drew. Drew. Drew opened. Uh, I wrote it down because I was trying to remember where it where it happened. Uh, Drew was in the park in '85, so it must have opened in October of '80. We opened. We opened when the stock market crashed. In well, that was. No, that was two years later. I drew it opened on Broadway. Was, that, uh, yes, I'm mixing up. I'm mixing uh, up everything goes and, and yeah. drew. Yes, yeah. so drew it opened in in uh, the park in '85. Yeah, so it was the spring of '86 that During the run of Drew on Broadway. Now I had done. This is not incidental. I had done Follies in Concert right that fall. So I had all so. And it was a little bit, a little bit, it was a lot of hubris on my part that I got into Follies. Uh, I was sitting backstage with James Lapine before uh, an understudy rehearsal that he had come to to give us notes uh, on our Sunday in the park, right? I was, I was understudying George. And I said to James, I am not kidding you, 
have you have because James was not involved with it with with the Follies in concert. Yeah. Do you know if they've if they've cast their young Ben and young uh, Buddy? And he said, no, but that's a good idea. And it was literally James's uh, lovely, lovely generosity that he said to Steve, what about Howard for one of the guys? One and, and I was cast as young Ben yeah. and uh, offered that. And, and that, uh, of course, was the most, I thought, I thought I'd already had the most amazing, you know, couple of months in New York, but then, then to follow it with that Follies in Concert, where I've never in my life experienced anything like that crowd response in yeah. what was then Avery Fisher Hall. Yeah. Uh, to the the stomping of feet when the when the orchestra started, I mean, I can't even begin to describe that feeling of the rush that we all felt up there on that stage. Um, uh, but so I guess you know, I guess I did okay that 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 Steve and, and James said, well, how about Howard for one of the princes? So I'm curious because I know prior to that June of '86 workshop at Playwrights Horizons, there was at least one reading at playwrights before that is it possible were you possibly it might have just been like a one day no music kind of like table read thing but I have a feeling that's what it was because I remember so clearly the first day of the playwrights uh workshop that I was in, in, involved in when Steve sat at the piano and played and sang he played and sang for us the entire score wow and I I, I'll never forget it uh, for many things among them the dirtiest version of hello little girl I've ever heard in my life was sung by yeah. the master who of course in his key was like down here somewhere you yeah know? like I could never sing that low but I nor could I ever make it sound as as dirty as it did with Steve it was a delicious I know it's it's politically in, incorrect for me to say it but it was artistically one of the most amazing moments uh you know I guess you know it was it was just wow well he's the big bad wolf the production's he, not uh, espousing uh child abuse you know exactly thank you Ben yes exactly uh yes and to know that I was going to actually sing that song in the workshop was just oh my god delicious and that, I mean, other people have talked about that, too. I, I second only, I think, to um, people talking about Fred Ebb singing Liza with the Z. Have I heard people describe the composer owning, uh, or, you know, the, well, Fred Ebb's not the composer, yes. but, you know, the, the writer. Um, yes. yes. Uh, do you remember anything specific about the way he did it that was so dirty or so funny? Well, or I mean, you know, just, just the growl of his... Yeah of his voice in right. that register, mm. which uh, just, it, it was, the wolf came to life in, in a way that <laughs> I've never ever heard it since, uh, you know. Um, and it was something to, something to aim for as a, as a young actor to try to somehow <laughs> capture any of that. Yeah. It's just, uh, I, I find myself right now talking to you, trying to, trying to speak in a lower <laughs> number, you know, because, <laughs> because he he just captured it it was just incredible just incredible um but you know it was it was a magical week at, at playwrights where every day i remember him coming in the next day or maybe a day and a half later and saying uh come over here i want you to hear this and he sat down and played me agony 
and you know, and it was you know, Patrick Quinn was playing the other prince, and yeah. uh, and and we we stood there and and started to learn agony from from Steve. I mean, uh, God, come on, it was just great, just great. And so, uh, well, so you had your two two big songs as the the prince and the wolf in that incarnation already yeah. formed. I understand that the opening number was was pretty much what it became. It was. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, what what else do you remember about about the material from that incarnation? Well, you know, for someone who had 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 loved and adored and worshipped this this writer, this amazing master, for so many years before I got to New York, to be in the room with him and to and to be hearing these songs for the first time that it, you know that anyone had heard them and 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 share in this kind of collaborative spirit of putting a new musical on its feet for the first time it I, that's that's my general kind of wide swipe at it um i i just i i just had to pinch myself a, a hundred times during that week to to think that i was i was actually you know invited to be in a part of this this inception of it um for the last time, I am not on Ozempic. I made one little joke on this podcast, and everybody started calling me out, texting me, calling me cringe, whatever. I really was asked by people if I was on Ozempic, and as I told them, I am not. I am just eating factors, no prep, no mess meals, okay? Warmer, sunnier days are coming. Fire Island season is here. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine what are you waiting for with 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week you'll always have new flavors to explore crush your wellness goals this may with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from breakfast to dessert stay fueled with easy nutritious options treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon shrimp and blackened salmon and kitchen time is kept to a minimum they are ready in two minutes no shopping no prepping no cooking no cleanup enjoy effortless support for your lifestyle choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or just simply to eat well balanced. Head to factormeals.com slash giantsinthesky50 and use code giantsinthesky50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code giantsinthesky50 at factormeals.com slash giantsinthesky50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Then it we had i was still doing i still have my day job i was still doing yeah. Druid. and uh i think another year went by maybe part of a year went by before they were taking it to san diego and i'm jumping ahead but i yeah. I, uh, I was not i was asked to go to san diego with it and i and i i was happily employed in in Druid and and with two small children to you know to raise so i i stayed um, and and I was very flattered when it came to Broadway. They did ask me to play the wolf and and, and Cinderella's Prince. And I I 
had been offered anything goes. Ah. And it was one of the most tortured decisions in my life. Yeah, I can imagine. To be offered both of those roles at the same time. And, uh, and uh, I, I decided to do anything goes. And I still to this day wonder if I made the right decision. But what are you going to do? You, what are you going to do? Why, what, what did put you over the edge to choose anything goes? Uh, the joy involved with anything goes was so infectious. And I also felt I think I think I felt that that particular era that anything goes was was set in was just like target for me in terms mm -hmm. of in terms of what I present who I who I present as an actor and and uh, yeah. you know it just seemed like I mean I'm I I think I should be playing this part I don't know well I I mean I I would love to have seen you in Into the Woods but I certainly uh, I can't imagine anybody else uh, being the Billy Crocker that you were oh, very sweet to say that thank you Ben and were you aware um, that that Patty also had been thinking about doing Into the Woods, and had, had was that in the in the I, for you? Not really, not really. I think she must have mentioned it at some point or other. Uh, and then going back in terms of so back to that player's yeah. presence. Yeah. Um, so Betty Buckley was the Betty. winner in that Betty incarnation. Um, what I mean, I, I always think that seems like one of the great missed opportunities i mean how much i would love to have seen her do it what was she like she was great i, I well i remember i remember when, working together uh in mystery of edwin drew while we had done drew together for a year and oh, was she uh, gone already at that point she was gone yes mm -hmm. yes so 80 let's see uh drew opened in 85 uh and i think she left right after the tonys so that was 86, June 86. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Donna Murphy that was, had taken over. Yes, Donna Murphy, who had just left uh, Drew to, to go do Rags. Right. And uh, they pulled her right back from rehearsal from Rags yeah. back into Drew, uh, which was just a great, a great moment for everybody. Uh, so tell me about Betty's Witch. Well, I remember, I, you know, it's been so long, Ben. I do remember standing with Betty at the piano when Steve first, sang, you know, performed and, and, and showed us the, the witch's song. And uh, I was just absolutely uh, just in awe of the fact that he had written, and now this is 1986. Yeah. He's writing a rap song in 1986, he, he, it, was, it was just the, the genius of Sondheim once again that, that he, he, was captur he was capturing and, and picking and choosing from, from all the genre that exists in music at, at every moment. Yeah. But he had that kind of uh, facility to bring, to bring kind of the contemporary music and pop music into, into a musical. I just yeah. I remember how, how stunning that was. Um, and of course, the cleverness of his rhymes, and, and you know, there's just no touching it. So that that that's my that's my abiding memory of that of that particular uh, song and that particular performance. Um, yeah, I I I, uh, I wish I remembered more details about it. Like uh, Bob Gunton was the narrator. Bob uh, I mean, was was that a very different take than what Tom Aldridge wound up doing? Um, I. You know, it was still the show was still coming together in terms of of the the 
balance of narration and and performance of stuff. So I I I don't think it was as large a part at that point mm. of, of the presentation. Right. That we well, he did not play the mysterious man. Uh huh. Um, and uh -huh. that uh, God, we were still shaping up at that point. I'm not. I, and do you remember, I mean, it's so you, you, by the presentation, I mean, I, were you guys rehearsed for a couple of weeks, maybe? I think it was, it was about a week, maybe a week, a week, maybe 10 days. And I mean, so, so you, by the time you had an audience, you were singing the songs yes. and I mean, was yes. there staging or were you just at like music stands? And uh, we were at music stands, basically. There was some kind of, you know, basics on and off kind of thing. Right. And, um, uh, do, was there, do you remember who was in the audience or what, you know, was it, did it feel like it, a backers audition kind of a thing or? It was everybody who was anybody. I mean, yeah. I just remember Joanna Gleason introducing me to Mike Nichols. It was like, mm. you know, my head was exploding, <laughs> you know, it was, uh, it was, it was an intense, uh, just over the top experience, just excitement and thrill and mixed with terror and uh you know <laughs> you know and did do you remember do you remember joanna gleason's baker's wife did, did you have an awareness then that oh wow this is a part that she can really triumph in i do i remember i remember the 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 beauty of her kind of stillness in the center of that role that she already understood mm. you know, she's such a wonderful actor and it was it was it, it was just a lesson for me in, in, in minimalism without sacrificing one ounce of depth and, and uh, you know, theatricality at the same time. She just mm. she knew how to do it. And I was in awe of that. Yeah. Yeah. And Chip Zion. I mean. Well, I, that was Ray Gill was the baker. It was Ray Gill. It yeah. was Ray Gill. Yes, we did. Subsequent to the to the uh, to that actual playwrights. We did a one night backers audition. Oh. Edna St. Vincent Millay uh, Writers Colony that James was a was a very much a part of. Uh, that he may have even did he start to write into the woods there? I'm not I don't remember. But anyway, he was he was chairing this this evening, a gala evening. And and Chip Chip was then doing the baker. So I, I remember that much specifically. Would that have been after they went to San Diego, maybe, or? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. And so maybe right before you decided to do Anything Goes? I think I had already decided to do Anything Goes because I got a call from Sondheim to ask me to do the, the event. And uh, uh, he gave me a little bit of a slap on the wrist because I <laughs> to him and in in my in my letter to him saying i'm so sorry i'm not going to be able to join you i think i think i don't think i know i had mentioned the words career consideration and he called me and he called me on it and he said don't don't use words like that mm. and i was like oh my god i've really you know i've really sealed my fate with him but then in his next breath he said and I'd like to ask a favor of you. Would you come and sing uh, the role for for uh, an evening? So we did a presentation of of Into the Woods with Joanna, with Chip, uh, and a young guy named Jeff Blumenkrantz. Ah, just graduated from college and was was 
was uh, playing the other prince. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Um, and I know he went on to, to do it. Yeah, that's he, right. He, yeah. And um, that's interesting. Uh, well, and then you went on to do another Sondheim show years later. Um, so he, he, he fully right. forgave you. He forgave me. I think uh, he forgave me. I always joke that, that that was it. It sailed. It sealed my fate and he hates me. But, uh, you know. And, uh, and what, what do you remember about Ray Gill? Because people have spoken so fondly of him. I know that um, James was very reluctant to cast Chip because he didn't look like Ray and they were so in love with Ray, but for whatever reason, I know he event, you know, sadly uh, passed away, but, but he was not available, I think, for the San Diego production. No, Ray was, Ray was lovely. He was such a lovely guy and, and uh, had, had a lovely, you know, lovely spirit. Uh, that he brought to the baker. Um, he kind of reminded me of a young Paul Servino. Oh. And, uh, and maybe, I don't know, there's some connection there with the baker's, the baker's life. Or, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm riffing, but. No, but, I'm, I, I, I was actually going to ask you who, because I, I, they've all, Chip spoke of him so highly and James Lapine spoke of him so highly and Ira Weitzman spoke of him so highly. Okay. And I couldn't really get a, a concept of what he was like. That helps. You know, we, yeah, it was such a brief kind of, you know, couple of days in, in rehearsals with, with this lovely yeah. guy. Yeah. Um, um, that, that's kind of all I remember other than that, that he, he was terrific in the part uh, and, and, a, and a lovely kind of bright, bright spot in the room. You know, he brought a, a lovely energy into the room, so. Yeah, and then I guess, um... Uh, Nancy Opal was one of the stepsisters. Do you remember that? Well, I do. I do. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to remember who, uh, the, who was the other stepsister? Uh, Donna um, Schneider. You're, uh, you're at Miss Donna Raven. Schneider. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. No, there was, there was another, another lovely, lovely Mary actor. Darcy was Cinderella. Mary Darcy. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Who I knew from, from Sunday in the Park with George. Yes. Yep. Was yep. she, she must, I mean, I, I was surprised she didn't um, wind up doing it subsequently because I know they loved her and she had been so good in Sunday in the Park. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what, you know, obviously who knows, these are things do happen. So, so yeah. very possibly. I mean, she might've been unavailable also. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, Cause I think she did singing in the rain on Broadway at some point. Uh huh. Yes, that's right. Um, but uh, and then some of the people in it were the eventual cast members, like Danielle Furland <clears throat> and um, Barbara Brin. Um, but oh, uh, Robert Sean Leonard was Jack. Do you have any memories of that? Oh, I so do. First of all, I I just adored him already uh, before I'd even met him. Uh, um, and he was Jack. He, uh, I, I forget, he was still a teenager when we yeah. did. He was uh, maybe all of 16 years old when, when wow. he was Jack. Mm. He was so perfect for the part. He was just great. And uh, uh, I just remember thinking, uh, I, I wish at the age of 16 or however old he was that I had been able to pull it together like he did for that. It was just, it was really, Quite amazing, quite amazing. And I, I mean, he went on to have an amazing. Did he career. have a strong singing voice. He had a really true, honest singing voice, 
Mm. Uh, uh, it felt like speech on pitch, which is for me, the, uh, that's a standard I've taken with me throughout my career. I, I think it's, it's an amazing gift yeah. to, be able to sound like you actually are speaking, but still able to, to uh, his, his pitch was absolutely perfect. And, mm. uh, and it just felt so true and so honest. And it's exactly what Sondheim loved in Singers. Mm. He didn't want to hear the singer singing. Yeah. He wanted to hear the character actually finding what he needed in life. That's, yeah. that's, that's, what he, that's how Sondheim wrote everything he wrote, which, which, is, which is finding the truth of this moment and how, you know, how, how does this person find their way th through the world? <laughs> and and, and that's, how, that's, how, that's how Robert sang. Wow. Oh, I'm so, I'm so sad we didn't get to see more of that. That sounds so incredible. I am too. I am too. I mean, well, it's, not, I, it's not too late. Yeah, uh, he's been okay. He's done okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's right. Um, as have you. I mean, have you ever uh, been in talks or thought about doing another production of Into the Woods, maybe uh, graduating to a different role at another point? It's not come up. But I certainly would love it. It still is one of my all-time favorites of Sondheim's uh, and, and James's. So, I, yeah, I, I would love it. Are you kidding? Absolutely. I, I, am, I have my tickets to, to see this, this new version of it. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm so thrilled. Going in a couple of weeks. Oh, good. Well, you'll have to let me know what you think. We can start our campaign to, to get you. To get yeah, you. okay, Ben. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my God. Trying to think if there was anything else I remember about this uh, yeah. that could that could shed light on it. Um, wow. What what was that? Um, uh, the only sort of Playwrights Horizons kind of like developmental thing you did of, of any show, or were you did you kind of join that kind of Ira Weitzman repertory at that point? No, it was the only. That was the only only Playwrights. Uh, thing that I was actually a, a part of. Um, Ira, of course, then was at Lincoln Center when I did Anything Goes. Oh, right. Yeah, he, he so. followed you. Yes, that's right. He followed me around. <laughs> and did, did you, at the time of that Playwrights Workshop, was mm -hmm. there the sense that uh, they're going to do this and then it's going to go to Broadway or? There was a pretty good sense that it was going to go to Broadway. We didn't know that San Diego was going to be uh, a, you know, a, a turn in the road. Yeah. Broadway. But, but at, at that point there, I think there might've been some talk about it going right to Broadway. Yeah. Um, which is what Sunday in the park had done and also rights and won the Pulitzer. So it wouldn't have exactly. been a hard thing to imagine. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I wish I had a sharper memory or crystal ball. Did you ball, see, um, James Lapine, uh, the book, putting it together about Sunday in the Park? I have not read it. Oh, you should read it. It's so great. Yeah. But and it's a really fun read and you can just pick it up because it's, you know, yeah. it's all the conversations with all the people. But he talks so much about so much tension between him and pretty much everybody as he would had not directed a lot of um uh well he had not directed a lot at all i mean you know and he certainly hadn't directed a lot of musicals and march of the falsettos had been so different and and unique exactly. um and 
uh, I wonder, was did, did did it feel like that was still kind of an issue at this point then with Into the Woods, or had he smoothed it out a little more? Yeah, no, I I didn't I didn't there, you know, because it was such a condensed amount of time. I don't think there were there were any there were any um, awkward moments or anything like that. Um, yeah. yeah. But you guys must have known stuff. I mean, being, you know, in the heart of the industry at the time, I mean, you did Anything Goes instead, but it's the same pool of people all there. You must have had all the gossip in the moment when it was happening. Oh, I think so. I think so. And, you know, it's a little footnote that that Into the Woods opened on my birthday in uh, in November 3rd or something. Five. Five. Yeah. 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 Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I and I remember I remember walking by. Uh, I was I was going to work at Lincoln Center and thinking, it's just opened. And and even to that at that point, I was thinking, oh God, I wish I could be in two places at once. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, when I do the uh, the podcast about anything goes, I'll, I'll call you. Uh, <laughs> yes, I'd love to talk about that. Yeah. That was uh, it was an amazing experience. So, you know, there are no mistakes in, in, in a career. You just do what you do. And I, I was so um, blessed to be part of that. So, yeah. One of my great regrets is not seeing it, but I was lucky enough to see that uh, reunion concert that you did. did that in was 2002. And that was pretty much. When magical. Patty sang Blow Gabriel twice. Yes, indeed. I would have waited a third time gladly. <laughs> We had such there there is a there is a podcast in there for this because I, I think there's a what a what an experience. It was a great experience putting that together. Uh and John Weidman and Tim Krause and uh Jerry and it was that was and what a remarkable cast. It yeah. was it was truly amazing. It, it just had thirty-fifth thirty-fifth anniversary or something. Isn't that crazy? God, I'm old. It feels like you guys launched the modern era of revivals with that production. Wow. Wow. Because it was, you know, it feels like it had the uh, electricity of a new musical and it was yeah. you know, a fresh take. And now that's what everybody's trying to do with every revival. Right, right. Wow. It sure felt like that at the time, I'll tell you. Wish I could remember more about Into the Woods. Um, well, if you think of anything or if you find yeah. me, um, yeah. you know, printed materials, if you want to send me a, a, a okay. photo, I would love it. Any, any oh, details okay. are great. Okay. Yeah. Well, I just remember being in the, in the room and, and standing behind Sondheim showing you a new song. It was just, you know, if nothing else happened in my career, that would have been it. Mm. Uh, uh, and you're right. The fact that he he forgave me enough to to do bounce. Yeah. Uh, and I remember him standing outside my dressing room in in Chicago, uh, just after the curtain had come down, saying to me, 
Howard, you waited a long time to, to, to play a role like this. And it was a little bit of his, you know, a little bit of patting himself <laughs> on the back because, you know, he, he wrote the damn thing. But you never had it so good, baby. You never had it so good. You should have done Into the Woods. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't know. It felt a little bit like, you know, he, he had his moment to kind of dig dig a little, wow. a little again. So petty. Um, I mean, so Sondheim obviously is in a class by himself, but I'm curious just process-wise, just with Edwin Drood, had it kind of already been finished by the time you were cast in it? Was it not that sort of a, a journey? When we did, we did a reading at the Public Theater of Drood uh, that lasted three and a half hours. Wow. The book, Rupert had written this book and it was aptly named a book. We had we had um, tabulated pages to flip to for the different endings that could possibly be be voted on because the audience that day, it was a packed, packed room of maybe 300 people. The hottest day in in uh, in the springtime of of that year, which was 85 uh, at the public theater. And they've actually voted on the endings. We wow. did the whole thing. Uh, and Peter Gallagher played Neville Landless in oh, it. Wow. And, uh, and I just remember, uh, first of all, just like pinch me again. I mean, I'm doing this thing at the public theater and Joe Papp is sitting right in front of me while I'm performing. But uh, it, that it was, it was a big old mess. It was huge and and sprawling and and Wilford had to say cut it down, cut it down, cut it down, and and it went through big changes. We had a whole new opening number by Broadway. We did we did a, the show at at the public. I mean at the uh, Delacorte Theater was a very different show than the one that wow. opened on Broadway. Wow, wow, yeah, a whole different opening number. I think a finale act one was different. Well, no, it was still Moonfall, uh, Name of Love, but. Uh, that experience in 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 the park and it, it, that with that show never forget it yeah incredible yeah. but but it was no it, it changed a huge amount book book and plot the same but sure um and any cleo lane stories because you know she's a she's the witch on tour yeah i loved cleo so much um and it was you know i was not a jazz a buff going into it but god i've grown to appreciate her so much yeah um um but i knew we were in the we were in the presence of of jazz royalty and uh and and even her kind of um you know the british thing that she had a, as well it was just i felt like i was uh you know experiencing another level of yeah. of, uh, of celebrity and kind of you know it was it was kind of thrilling uh, of course, the um, the the fact that I'm trying to I'm trying to remember now. I'm mixing up I'm mixing up uh, shows because I did two shows at the public. So, so you know, yeah. I did the La Boheme and then I did that. Yeah. Um, trying to think if I can remember anything more about her other than that, she was brilliant, brilliant, and then replaced by Loretta Swit. Amazing. What? Did she sing? Ish. Ish, yeah. I mean, we probably won't put that into this podcast anyway, but, um, uh, and then Karen Morrow, though, right? Were you still, you stayed the whole run? I was there for the whole run, and and I, I so adored Karen. I, I adore her to this day. We, we, uh, we knew each other in L.A. before I came to New York. 
Oh, wow. Karen Morrow and I were in a dance class together, a class for actors in LA, in the Valley. I don't know if you know the LA at all, but we yeah, were- Yeah, I'm from LA. I grew up Are in- Are you from LA? Yeah. So am I, born and raised. Oh, wow, where'd you go to high school? Well, we, I was raised in, um, I grew up in LA, Los Feliz Hills, oh, nice. uh, Franklin Avenue Elementary School, and then we moved to Santa Barbara. So I, oh, I actually did the rest of my high school years, uh, junior high and high school in Santa Barbara. But. In peace. Are, are you talking about the Debbie Reynolds dance studio though? No, it was called the Moro Landis. Oh. On Ventura Boulevard, right near, right near Vineland, out there by oh, Universal sure, Studios. Yeah. yeah. I started as a Universal contract player. I was, I was put under contract, my very first job in LA. Wow. I was put under contract under their new talent program. And I, I was there for five and a half years. I did, I got my start in television doing under that contract. Amazing. I paid a pittance every week in exchange for, they give you a, a push in the door for producer sessions for, for yeah. casting. Um, you, you're not guaranteed any roles, but you're, you know, you have, you still have to get the role, but, but there's high incentive for the producers to hire you because they're going to, they're going to save money. <laughs> Yeah, you're part of the system already. And, and, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's like a little quid pro quo thing that goes on there. But or so you're, you, you're from there. That explains to me why you went there first. If you wanted to do musical theater, you didn't come to New York. From right? there. Uh, absolutely. That's exactly how I, w I was. Uh, I'd finished college. And uh, I, I had an acting teacher, a lovely, lovely, generous man named Bradford Dillman, who was a, a quite a, an accomplished, he played Eugene O'Neill in, uh, in Long Day's Journey, that Jose Quintero, famous Jose Quintero revival of Long Day's Journey in the 60s. Mm. And he was an actor, studio actor, and he, he started teaching acting just out of the generosity of his heart, not charging actors in Santa Barbara, like young actors. The Bottoms brothers, Timothy Bottoms and Joseph Bottoms and Samuel Bottoms, I don't know if you know them, um, they were, uh, Tim Bottoms was kind of famous for, uh, there was a movie, uh, Dalton Trumbo book, uh, Johnny Got His Gun that he starred in. And the, oh, The Last Picture Show. Oh yeah. Beachman, he was the star of Last Picture Show. Okay. The Bogdanovich. Yeah. Uh, and so, so we, it was kind of this little niche, niche kind of um, very kind of classy thing to be asked to be in, in Bradford Dillman's class. So, so I was, I was, I started studying in earnest, studying acting with him as a, as a kid in, in high school and then college. And he, he said, I want you to meet my agents in Hollywood. Mm. And I finished college and he actually, that was my first agent was his agent. And, wow. and he, and the agent said, I'm sending you over to universal. I want them to see you. And I was, I was put under contract kind of pretty fast. So, uh, so I, I worked there in, in television for about five and a half years before I, before I, I realized I'm, I'm a dime a dozen in Hollywood. I, I'm not singing. I'm not, I'm not on the stage. And that's where I really feel I'm, I'm in my element. I, I really want to do that. And it took me a couple more years, like three and a half, four years to get the nerve up to say, I'm going to give New York a shot. And it was, it was Sunday in the park with George on the Tonys that, that really convinced me. Well, you were right. I mean, things really took off for you right away when you got here. And that, I mean, you already had two little kids at that point. Yes. I mean, so that, that was a big decision to move across. It was enormous. That, yeah. 
Yeah. And my, and my, my then wife, uh, Mary was so, so supportive of me. So, you know, it, it really is a tribute to her that, that I came to New York. And New York wasn't that great of a place to be in with little kids in 1984 or whatever, you know, at all, at all. Luckily I found Park Slope and, uh, and, a, and a sublet from a couple of actors who were going to LA. And uh, that's, how it's, that's how I started, you know, kind of putting my roots down here. And I cannot believe it's 38 years ago. It's like a... Yeah. Yeah. And the Phantom of the Opera is only closing now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so Phantom was opening when anything goes opened. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Into the woods, I mean, it's like, this is the, what did they say? This is the third Broadway production of Into the Woods. It's the fifth major New York production of Into the Woods and the Phantom is still there at the Majestic. Just mind boggling. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a whole other podcast too. We'll have to do yeah. that. Thank you for listening to Giants in the Sky, how Sondheim and Lapine went into the woods on the Broadway Podcast Network. Check out episode seven with Christine Estabrook, who played the baker's wife in the first reading at Playwrights Horizons. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.